The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the audio version of the two-page article I wrote and published on my Substack at rabbishneeweiss.substack.com on August 4th, 2023, and the article is entitled Akiv, When Avodazara Works and Why. Holy water works miracles. Such was the claim made on a Christian infomercial I saw as a child. The televangelist promised that if you sent in an order for his miracle spring water and followed the instructions, it would cure your diseases, bring prosperity, and work other untold miracles. Dozens of faithful customers called in to bolster these claims with their testimonials. One caller testified that his vial was damaged in transit and all the water leaked out. Nevertheless, he went through the prescribed motions with the empty bottle and, hallelujah, a miracle was done all the same. The hucksters praised their Lord and Savior and the con went on. Even though I was just a child, I thought to myself, wait a minute, if the miracle is caused by the water and this guy didn't even have the water, then something doesn't add up. This was the first time I questioned the cause and effect reasoning employed by alleged miracle workers, and it wouldn't be the last. It should come as no surprise that this type of faulty inference has been on Judaism's radar for thousands of years. It is prohibited by Torah law to derive benefit from idolatrous adornments. See the Rambam in the Sefer Amitos, Losas A number 22. The source of this prohibition is a short passage in Akiv. Quote, The images of their gods you shall burn in the fire. Do not covet the silver and gold upon them and take it for yourself, lest you be ensnared by it, for it is an abomination to Hashem your God. And you shall not bring an abomination into your house and become under ban like it. You shall utterly detest it and you shall utterly abhor it, for it is a banned thing. End quote from Devarim chapter 7, Psukim 25 and 26. What does lest you be ensnared by it mean? How is this silver and gold an abomination? Sforno answers, quote, lest you be ensnared by it, For sometimes it will happen that you enjoy success with the silver and gold that was upon them, and you will think that this success was due to the power of the Avodazara, the idolatry that it was on. You shall utterly abhor it, namely you shall abhor the silver and gold of that abomination. End quote. In other words, this prohibition isn't merely one of the Torah's generic safeguards against Avodazara. Rather, it is a protective measure against a specific line of superstitious thinking to which even an Avodazara non-believer is prone. Ramam offers an expanded version of this theory in the Morahan of 337. Quote, the reason for the prohibition to derive benefit from Avodazara is quite obvious, for it is possible that one might buy an idol with the intention to break it, but he keeps it and it ends up being a snare for him. Even if he broke it, uh, even if he broke it, recast it, and sold it to a non-Jew, it is prohibited to derive benefit from the proceeds. The reason for this is that the masses mistake chance occurrences for essential causes. You will find many people who say that as soon as they began living in a certain house or purchased a certain animal or vessel, they became wealthy and they were blessed on account of these things. Or purchased, uh, sorry, yeah, I I read, I'm going to read that again. You will find many people who say that as soon as they began living in a certain house or purchased a certain animal or vessel, they they became wealthy and they were blessed on account of these things. Thus, it is possible that a person may be successful in his business and make a profit from the money received from the sale of that idol, thinking that it was the cause, and that the blessing of the money he received for the sale of that idol brought him this profit. He would then believe in that of Odazara, thereby undermining the goal of the entire Torah, as is clear from all the Torah's verses. This is the same reason for the prohibition against deriving benefit from the adornments of a worshipped object, its offerings, and its accoutrements, all to save us from that doctrine, the belief in which was very strong in those times. 
It was believed that it caused life and death and that all good and bad things come from it, that is, from the stars. Therefore, the Torah employed powerful means to remove this outlook, covenants, witnesses, severe oaths, and the aforementioned curses, and warned us not to take anything from Avodah Zarah or benefit from it. Hashem informed us that even if even the smallest amount of money associated with it became mixed into a person's money, it will cause a loss of that money. This is the meaning of you shall not bring an abomination into your house and become under ban like it. How much more so to believe that there is blessing in it? End quote from the Ramam. This explanation did not originate with Ramam or Sforno, but it was stated, but was stated by Rabbi Akiva in the Gemara of Odazar 55a. Quote, Zunin, a Jew, said to Rabbi Akiva, you and I know in our hearts that Avodazara isn't real, yet we see men who are crippled by illness enter temples of Avodazara and come out cured. What is the reason for this? Rubikiva replied, I will give you an analogy. To what may this be compared? To a trustworthy man in a city, and all the townsmen would deposit their money in his charge without witnesses. Nevertheless, one man would always deposit his money in his charge with witnesses, but on one occasion he forgot and made his deposit without witnesses. The wife of the trustworthy man said to her husband, Come, let us deny it and keep this man's money. Her husband answered her, Because this fool acted improperly, shall we ruin our reputation? It is similar with illness-related afflictions. At the time they are sent upon a person, they are made to take an oath. You shall not come upon him except on such and such a day, nor depart from him except on such and such a day, at such and such an hour, through the medium of so-and-so, and through such and such a remedy. When the time arrived for them to depart in the case that you asked about, this man happened to go to a temple of Avodazara. The afflictions said, it is right that we should not leave him and depart so as not to give the impression that he was healed by his Avodazara. But this, because this fool acted improperly, shall we neglect to fulfill our oath? End quote from the Gemara. At first glance, one might be tempted to reduce Rabbi Akiva's explanation to the fallacy of post hoc ergo propter hoc, i.e., since event Y followed event X, Event Y must have been caused by event X. But the Gemara concludes by saying that his teaching exemplifies the principle of Reish Lakish, who said, quote, One who comes in order to be made impure will be given the opportunity, and one who comes in order to be made pure will be assisted. End quote. In other words, this all happens in accordance with Hashem's design. If a person neglects to use their Tselem Elohim, truth-seeking intellect, to cr think critically about the world, Hashem will allow them to persist in their error, even if this means that scores of human beings will be ensnared by Avodazara. Those who come to Christian infomercials yearning for miraculous fixes will find ample opportunities to be duped. But this raises a disturbing question. Isn't it possible to make the same mistake about Hashgacha Pratis, individual divine providence? Most of us are familiar with Hashgacha Pratis stories in which people attribute the serendipitous events in their lives to Hashem's personal intervention. <clears throat> How do we know that the same error isn't being committed by them? If, for example, a person recovers from an illness after davening to Hashem, can we say that he miraculously healed them? What if their affliction was scheduled to depart at that time? <clears throat> My answer is nuanced. On the one hand, yes, it is possible to make the same mistake. As the Ramam said, people frequently mistake chance occurrences for essential causes. They impose their own narratives on events without bothering to engage in critical analysis. We would do well to learn from Mordechai, who recognized that, to paraphrase Yeshayahu 55.8, Hashem's thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. Despite Esther being in a position to save her people, Mordechai did not exclaim, Hashgachapratis! Instead, he responded with intellectual humility, saying, Who knows whether you attained royalty for a time like this? That's a quote from Esther 4.14. On the other hand, this is not the same mistake at all. The idolater's error reinforces their delusional worldview a false, infantile, destructive belief system which distances them from reality. In contrast, 
even when a Jew misidentifies an event as providential, this will nevertheless strengthen their conviction in Hashem and his Hashgacha, true beliefs which draw them nearer to, the, to reality. Even if they were wrong about the particular, they are right that it was caused by Hashem, whether through Hashgacha Pratis or Hashgacha Klalis, the laws of nature. And uh, I want to read a footnote from the very beginning of the article, a uh, footnote on the word televangelist. My footnote says, I subsequently learned that the charlatan from my childhood memory was none other than the infamous Peter Popoff, who was exposed in 1986 by James Randi, yet managed to achieve a second coming of fame and financial success in the 90s. If you haven't done so, I urge you to check out the short video of the debunking, which you'll find uh, embedded in the Substack article. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.